This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. Described as a noble gas with many uses, helium and its future as a natural resource is the subject of a book co-authored by Dr William Nuttall. Helium is used to cool superconducting magnets in MRI scanners. It's lighter than air, so airships and balloons are filled with it. It's used to condense hydrogen and oxygen to make rocket fuel. It can be added to oxygen tanks so that divers working over 350 feet below sea level can breathe more easily. The list is seemingly endless, but here's one with appeal to many age groups. Helium-filled balloons at parties and celebrations. And actually, the party sector probably pays more per unit for its helium than major industrial users. Supplies are safe for the time being, but Dr Nuttall is concerned that helium should not be allowed to waste and should be recycled. He outlines a terrific future for the gas in the nuclear energy generation fields. Helium really gets going in the, in the early 20th century, and, and many people think in terms of the physicists using helium who liquefied it and uh, discovered things like superconductivity. But actually, equally interesting things were going on in the United States. People were looking for natural gas, and they were finding that it wasn't uh, coming out of the ground in the ways they'd, they'd hoped. It, it, it appeared to be contaminated. And, and, and chemical engineers uh, in the U.S., uh, in Kansas, looked at this gas, which had, was mysteriously contaminated, uh, and discovered the presence of helium. Uh, helium named after the sun, previously seen in spectroscopy of the sun. And here it was. In, in natural gas coming out of the ground in the States. You've co-authored a book that reveals the changing dynamics in both the supply and demand. So let's start with the demand and then backfill to supply. On the demand side, helium has a long history of being a high-technology gas. The technologies it's been applied to have changed over the years. So in the early 20th century, one thinks of airships, and then in the middle of the 20th century, purging the tanks of missiles and rockets then through to electronics and uh, exotic superconductivity applications. Yeah, so it's always been a high-technology material uh, supporting the future. The supply is that it's a byproduct of, uh, of natural gas, of our unsustainable fossil fuel economy. So there's a tension there between this sort of ever-evolving high-technology demand and this rather sort of uh, unsustainable traditional source fossil fuel. What's your basis for insisting that the helium industry has a long-term future? You've you've talked about airships and you talk about cleansing of of, uh, rockets and all of that. Does it have a future? Helium has a future. Every now and again, helium crises appear in the media and statements to the effect that the world is running out of helium. That's not the case. Uh, There's enormous amounts of helium underground, mixed with with natural gas and geological reserves. So these crises are, are not the fundamental issue. Uh, There is, however, a long-term problem, Uh, and that is that the uh, natural gas industry has a finite future, and therefore the helium supply chain has a finite future. Furthermore, there's this interesting aspect of the fact that helium is a byproduct, because any helium that we uh, choose not to use today is not conserved underground for the future. It has been extracted with natural gas, taken and combusted in, in somebody's stove or industrial facility and and therefore has just been on its journey from the ground to the atmosphere Uh, and that raises prospects of a problem in the long term a real problem two issues arise from that and one is if helium is a byproduct of natural gas is it also then a byproduct of shale gas ah yes well that's a very topical question shale gas is is characterized by the fact it comes from 
uh, highly impermeable rocks, so, so impermeable that the, the methane of the natural gas could not escape. And it seems that the much smaller helium atom is indeed able to get through the shale, of, of, of shale rocks uh, associated with shale gas. That means that, it, to our impression, the, pre- the presence of helium in, in shale gas is very limited. Okay. So the direct implication of the uh, transformative move towards shale gas uh, for helium is, is very limited because there's so little helium in shale gas. However, the secondary or indirect relationships could be profound. Uh, the shale gas transformation in the United States is uh, pushing the United States from a predicted future of importing liquefied natural gas from around the world to potentially exporting it. And uh, liquefied natural gas is a major trend in the whole global natural gas market, and anything that's a major trend in the natural gas market is going to be important for helium. Who are the new users of helium, and is there a worldwide demand for it? Well, looking ahead, some of the new users in the frame would be in the energy area, uh, both in uh, conventional nuclear energy, fission, uh, where it gives the opportunity to use a a higher temperature fluid to turn the turbines. It's more uh, efficient in engineering terms to get away from steam and get towards helium. That would be a major user if that that happens in fission. Another one on the horizon is nuclear fusion, bringing small atoms together to make energy, not big atoms of uranium or plutonium and splitting them. Um, So that that form of nuclear energy needs big, big magnets, cooled with liquid helium. And so that, that would be a major user in the future if that takes off. The point is made by you in the book that volumes and therefore prices will rise. Are there enough sources to cover the demand? Well, price is a, is a, a, a consequence, of course, of both supply and demand and, a, and, and more a consequence of supply chain constraints than, than it is of atoms uh, you know, in reserves under, under the ground. So two things to say about, about the price of helium. One, one is um, helium is in, a, in an unusual market. It, it, it's historically had a major interventionist role by the U.S. federal government. Yeah, so the, and, and the U.S. federal government has a program uh, by which it seeks to sell off most of its strategic reserve of helium by 2015. So that process is, is expected to tail off quite soon. So there's a sort of market complexity of public and private uh, players in the market. Uh, and that has shaped the price. Um, there are six big companies involved in helium, which is enough for competition. But in some territories around the world, the, the number operating is, is fewer than that, being sort of more isolated territories. Uh, so there is, I think, some issue of competitiveness in the helium market. Yes, and then the final thing to say is that the nature of helium is it's used by many diverse types of customers. I've stressed the high-tech users. But, of course, party balloons use helium. And the ironic thing is that that per unit of helium, the people who pay the most seem to be the people planning parties. So that uh, in an auction between different people who want helium, it's not clear that the the people who get the helium would be those who want to use it for medical diagnosis or making cheap, clean power. No, it's the people planning a birthday party who might be getting the helium. So I don't want to overstate that because the slice for parties is very, very small but they have a high willingness to pay. So helium is complicated in the market. Is there much of it? Helium is quite a big business. Roughly, it's about a billion dollars a year. But as I said earlier, it sits on the back of a natural gas industry. That's about a trillion dollars a year. So a lot of strategic decisions in natural gas are made without any concern at all for helium. And that's a problem, because that's what drives the, uh, primarily drives that problematic journey of helium from the ground to the atmosphere the fact that decisions are made in the natural gas space without thinking about helium. And that's really, I suggest, where the waste fundamentally is. 
What we should do is, as we take the natural gas out of the ground, is remember the helium that's with it. Is it possible to do that? Is it possible to yes. store it? Yes, I think one of the things that uh, is most noticeable these days is, well, we call this venting, when, when helium is taken uh, from the ground to the atmosphere w- without any concern for using it. Uh, historically, that's just been the, the gas came out of the ground and went through pipes t- to the end use where it was burnt and went to the atmosphere. But this shift to liquefied natural gas causes more concern because the process of liquefaction of natural gas uh, is part of the process of extracting helium. So if you're doing that, it it favours helium extraction. It uh, it makes it economically viable when it otherwise wouldn't be. But the the situation is many LNG uh, facilities don't separate the helium. So they have a so-called purge gas that's roughly half helium, and they just vent it to the atmosphere. That's a shame. William Nuttall, thank you. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series. 